With how God leads us today, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. I don't believe that God leads by fleeces today, but rather by the indwelling presence of his Holy Spirit. He speaks to you from the inside. He gives you direction of what he wants to do and confirms it in his word. So you have God's settled word and the confirmation of the Holy Spirit. That's all you need. So go home and take the fleece out of the backyard and get going on what God's called you to do and obey him. He leads by his spirit as his spirit illuminates the living word of God and moves us out to trust him. This is amazing grace. Hi there. It's good to be with you again. We hope you're ready to dive back into Hebrews with us here at Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will be in chapter 4, and we're about to learn a thing or two from the children of Israel. Rather than entering into and enjoying the rest that's found in the Lord, they were going backwards into Judaism. They failed to enter into the rest of God, and that can easily happen to us if we're not careful and prayerful. So let's see how to avoid this very common mistake. Take your Bibles, please, and open them to Hebrews chapter 4 and Numbers chapter 13. And if you want to get ahead, also Deuteronomy chapter 1. You know, we're studying through the book of Hebrews verse by verse, and we've come to Hebrews chapter 4 where there's quite a few things happening to this group of Jewish believers. They're wanting to go backwards. They're looking back toward Judaism, and they're not entering in and, ex- and, and enjoying the rest that's found by faith in Jesus Christ. They're being tempted. And there is a mention in chapter 4, verse 3, a quotation of Psalm 95. And in that it says, For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, I swore in my wrath, that they shall not enter my rest. Now, we've mentioned it in brief so far, but I want to introduce you to this they. Who are these people that the author of Hebrews is using as an example? And we find them back, if you want to come back with me, in Numbers chapter 13. We find this they. Who are these people that are being used as an example that we might not follow in their footsteps. And they represent a group of people that we know as the children of Israel. And these are the ones that have been delivered from Egypt, and God is bringing them into the promised land. And while we've touched on it in previous studies, I want to go in depth for us to grasp the context. And we'll do this a few times in our study in Hebrews, where we're going to pause and fill in some blanks. Like the next blank that we're going to fill in is the significance of the biblical Sabbath because it becomes such a point of argumentation today that I want to go through the Bible and teach you what is the believer's response to the Sabbath today so that you're not easily tripped up. We'll do that next time. But today we want to, we want to grow in understanding how fear and faith are mutually exclusive. 
It's really difficult to have strong, abundant faith when you are grasped by fear and anxiety. Fear will rob us of our faith. Fear will rob us and steal away our trust in God's grace. It's fear and anxiety that will undermine a vibrant faith. Jot it down in 2 Timothy chapter 1. In verse 7 it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Faith is not leading to fear. They don't go together. And we meet a group of people today, the children of Israel, who failed to enter in to the rest of God. As a matter of fact, at the end of chapter 3 in Hebrews, I'll just read it to you. At the end of chapter 3, it says, So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. It's the same they. This group that we meet in Numbers chapter 13, if you would, pick up with me in verse 1. In Numbers chapter 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Pause right there, and if you'd like to write in your Bibles, circle or highlight the phrase, which I am giving. Because this is what we would call today a promise of God. He has stated that he will give this land to the nation of Israel. He's not saying, I might give it to you. He's not saying, maybe one day. He's not saying, if you have your, get your hopes up too high, you, you might get it. He's not saying that. God is saying, send some men into the land that I am giving you. It's a promise. God's word. He has put it on the line. He says, send them from each tribe of their fathers. You'll send a man. Everyone, and mark this, a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. So send the leaders, one from each tribe, to go check out the land. The land that I am giving. The land that will be yours. I'm going to do the work, God says. That's the language of grace. Giving is the language of grace. All that God will do on your behalf and mine. I'm going to give you the land. You, through your cooperative obedience, will enjoy the land, but I'm going to give it to you. It's theirs by promise. And isn't today, don't you notice today, if you pay attention, not, maybe not a day goes by on the news, uh, or at least on my news feeds that I read daily, not a day goes by that something is not happening in the nation of Israel. Something not, some crazy thing, some conflict, some difficulty. I even have an app on my phone, maybe you have it as well that will shoot off warning signs, warning texts or notifications when down in the southern part of Israel, the, those from Gaza are shooting over rockets into Israel, like literal bombs constantly. They'll do them 10, 15, 20 at a time. There's great conflict, and the conflict is surrounding who does the land belong to. That's the conflict. And I know it gets communicated in the press politically, but it's not a political issue. It's a religious issue. And according to God's word, the land was promised to the children of Israel. So much so that back in 1948, God established the nation of Israel one more time and has been gathering back his people to the land. I would say there's probably a plane landing today with Jewish people coming back to their homeland because it belongs to them by promise. If you're taking notes, just jot it down. We won't turn there. But this land 
This land that's referenced in Numbers was promised to the children of Israel to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. It was promised to Isaac, referenced in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9. It was promised to Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. It was reaffirmed, this promise, to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, and God reminded the people of his promise when they broke camp at Sinai. Listen, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6. And the Lord God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, to the mountains in the lowland, the south on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites, to the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. This is God's promised land. That's where we get the phrase, the promised land, because God promised to give it to them. And with this command to spy out, why would God do that? If he's already given it to them, why don't they just go in in obedience? Well, because of fear. Because of fear, they asked Moses for this move. Notice with me, if you want to turn there in Deuteronomy chapter 1, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, beginning there in verse 19, we read, let me get there with you. Why are they going in? Well, they asked for it. In verse 19, chapter 1. So we departed from Horeb and went through all that great and terrible wilderness, which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites, as the Lord our God had commanded us. Then we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites, which the Lord God is giving us. Look, the Lord has... Your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear nor be discouraged. And every one of you came near to me and said, let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us of the way by which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come. And the plan pleased me well. So I took 12 of your men, one man from each tribe, and they departed and went up into the mountains and came to the valley of Eshcol and spied it out. And so now in verse chapter 13, we see God allowing this and telling Moses, go ahead and send them in. And so we wonder, what's going on here? God promised the land. They should have just went in. They come through the great and terrible wilderness. They're ready to go in. And they go, no, 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 we need to send people in. And Moses thought it was good. And now God commands it. What's going on here? Well, I want you to notice that there's no prayer in this. They're they're not seeking God. They're complaining, if you will, to Moses. Moses is agreeing. And now by the time they come to to this in, in numbers, God is saying, go ahead and send them in send them in. And there's no prayer. And you say, well, why would God tell them to send them in? And I want you to learn something very important. When we come to God in prayer, when we turn to God for some action, or when we choose to make a decision how careful we need to be not to try to fulfill our own agendas, because I think we all have them. We all have our own agenda in life. And and what I mean by that is we all have our life the way we want it to go. We pray for this over here. We want this to happen over there. And so we just sort of make decisions. And sometimes we pray, sometimes we don't. You know, God brought back to me this week a very important episode in my life where I made this same mistake in my own life that affected me. Where I, I was in a situation about five years ago where Marie and I were in such a deep argument that I panicked. 
And it was a very difficult time. And, and I, I, we were arguing when a time we shouldn't have been arguing, and it didn't seem to be making any progress, and we were in a very weakened state, and, and I remember it like it was yesterday. There's a lot of memories around that time that I don't remember, but I remember it like it was yesterday. I panicked, which, by the way, panic is just really a heightened sense of anxiety. Like, uh, panic, you may not say, well, I never panic, Ed. Well, maybe you put it this way, anxiety on steroids, where you're just so desperate and you just don't know what to do in the moment. And Marie and I were in, in, a, in a very deep disagreement over a situation outside of our control, and I panicked. And without praying, without just stopping us, I didn't even have the wherewithal in my mind to stop us and, babe, we just need to pray right now. I immediately walked away from that argument and went to get help from another man. And I chose to trust in man and not to look to the Lord. And I, I didn't do it in a way where, like, I was willfully sinning and neglecting God. It was a heightened sense of emotion. And unfortunately, to this day, I'm still paying the price of trusting man. It's not unlike the children of Israel in the, in the book of Joshua, where they come into the land and they seek God, and God gives them this wild, crazy idea or, or true of how they're going to defeat Jericho, and they do it. Jericho's defeated. And they get so confident, they go to the next city, which is Ai, and it's literally spelled Ai. And instead of praying, and instead of seeking God, they're just like, oh, it's a little city, no big deal. It's gonna, we'll just, just send a few men up there. And what happens? They are defeated, people lose their life, and Joshua gets desperate. And he begins to be desperate in prayer. And this is where it says in Joshua, where God tells him, get up and stop praying. There's sin in the camp. And he's got to go back and deal with that man by the name of Achan. Achan pays the price, and so does his whole family for his sin. Here's an example here. And you can jot it down, but listen to this, listen to this biblical truth. They, they didn't want to go in and possess the land by promise. They wanted to send spies. So what does God do? Send spies. And this is what I think he's describing, because we see this later on in their wilderness wandering in Psalm 106, verse 15. It's a very sobering truth. Listen, just let it soak in as I read it to you. Psalm 106, verse 15. It says that God gave them their request, but sent leanness to their soul. We don't want to push our agenda so hard that God grants our request, but since it's not his agenda and it's not his plan, we also receive the leanness in our souls or you know, what, what we might describe today, the consequences of our bad decisions. The consequences of our bad decisions. How careful we need to be. God had already spied out the land, church. He already knew what it was like. He knew the giants were there, as you'll see the report in a moment. He already spied out the land, which encourages me when I face things that I don't quite know how they're going to turn out. When I face things and I'm not sure what's up ahead, this scripture, God gave me this scripture when we were studying through the book of John. And I don't know about you, but I still, almost every day when I'm reading the Bible, will come across a verse that it's almost like the first time I've ever seen it. Like it's just, I, I've been reading the Bible for 27 plus years. I, I mean, hours and I mean, who knows how long, just hours and hours and hours of reading the Bible. And there I am preparing for a Bible study for our church in John chapter 6, and I'm reading the Bible like, man, I've never seen that before. 
or I've never seen it that way before, and, and I've, never really ex- I've never really received that insight before, and I probably have a thousand times, but it was just so fresh. And let me read it to you, because it so comforts me in my life, because I don't know what's up ahead. I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know what a phone call is going to make. I don't know what a text message is going to make. I don't know, but I do know this. Jesus already knows what he's going to do. He already knows. I belong to him. He already knows what he's going to do. And then listen to what the Bible says. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes. This is John chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But listen, this is verse 6, John 6, 6. But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. I love that. You can take great comfort today that God himself knows what he's going to do in your life. He already knows. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Not to prepackage all of our desires and say, God, do it this way, because God might just do it that way and send leanness into your soul. We want God's way, not our way. Is there anybody that wants to amen that? I do. Amen to that. I have to say, I don't always want God's way over my way, and it's a battle. It's what the Bible describes, a battle of the flesh and the spirit. And the two are contrary to one another. I, I see this all the time with followers of Jesus. I, I, see, it, I see this all the time. Be, before we go to God, before we step out in faith, uh, we want to make sure. Like before you're, some of you might be ready to take a step of faith. You say, oh, I just want to make sure. Like, like God's word and his confirmation isn't enough for you. And, and there's a significant difference between waiting on the Lord, truly waiting on God for direction, and waiting for more information before you'll take a step of obedience. There's a difference. There's a difference between God having you in wait mode, asking him for direction and clarity, and already knowing what to do and not doing it and saying you're waiting on the Lord. We have an example of that in the Bible book, the Old Testament book of Judges. We don't have time to develop it today, but when it comes to this young man by the name of Gideon, he already knew exactly what he was supposed to do, but instead of doing it, you guys that know the Bible story, it's true, he put out what's called a fleece. And he says, okay, if it's from you, God, then I'm going to put out this fleece, and you're going to work in a certain way with the dew, and if I wake up in the morning and it's exactly what I, then I know what I'll do. And so he does that, and God is patient with him, and he has it, God has it work out exactly as Gideon wanted, because why? God's will was already set. He already knew what Gideon, he wanted Gideon to do. But Gideon said, Gideon in his mind is thinking, I don't want to go, I want God to prove it to me. And so he puts out a fleece, and you would think that would be it. Okay, Gideon, go do it again. Go do it. But what does he do? He puts out another fleece and says, okay, if it's really you, God, then do the opposite of you did last time. And isn't God so gracious? He did the opposite of what he did last time with the dew. And you would think that Gideon would go out with great confidence. He does, but not with the kind of confidence that you would think. The confirmations abound. And that's why I believe today that God does not lead by laying out fleeces. As a matter of fact, if you're in a place right now where you're laying out a fleece, you already know what to do. And you already have the way. You wouldn't be in the place of laying it out if you didn't already know what God's leading you to do. I don't believe that God leads by fleeces today, but rather by the indwelling presence of his Holy Spirit. He speaks to you from the inside. He gives you direction of what he wants to do and confirms it in his word. So you have God's settled word and the confirmation of the Holy Spirit. That's all you need. So go home and take the fleece out of the backyard and get going on what God's called you to do and obey him. He leads by his spirit. 
as His Spirit illuminates the living Word of God and moves us out to trust Him and to believe on Him. So notice back now, why are they here? Because they wanted it, and God gave it to them, and they suffered the consequences. So notice again that they were to send out these, um, in verse 2, everyone a leader. So let's notice in verse 4, and these were their names from the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, the son of Zachar. And then you're going to go home today in front of your mirror and read verse 5 all the way through verse 15 and, and see how easy it is for you to name these names. And then I'm going to pick up in verse 16 where it says, these are the names of the men who Moses sent out to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. And so Moses sent them out to spy out the land of Canaan. These are leaders. I don't want you to miss that. Circle that word. They're leaders. And leaders in God's, among God's people, today leaders among God's church, to whom much is given, much is required. These are the men that are to be examples of faith. These are the families that the church should look to, that the children of Israel should look to, to build their faith, not weaken their faith. These are the men and women that God would display his power, these men in particular, to display his power among the people. And so they're sent out, it says, and, and he tells them in verse 17, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests or not. And notice he says, be of good courage. Bring back some of the fruit of the land because the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So go out with very specific instructions. Just do a survey of the land and, and look for these things, strong or weak. Their forest is, forests or not. Just, just look at the land. But I want you to notice something that isn't said here. Right, don't miss this. Again, careful reading of the Bible will really help you. Something that Moses doesn't tell them is, go out, survey the land, and come back with your opinion of whether we should go in or not. That is not asked for. He doesn't say, go out, kind of assess it, figure it out, then come back to me and tell me what you guys think of whether we should go in. He doesn't say that. Except that I think they, they went out that way, lacking courage with their fear. And they went out thinking, I'm on a reconnaissance trip so that I can bring back my opinion. Can I just say this, leaders? And, and I, say that, I say this to the leaders of our church. I say this to the leaders in other churches. I say this to you parents that are leaders, you guys that are leaders in your friendships. Every, I believe every Christian is a leader, and we're to lead people to Jesus Christ. So that, this applies to everyone listening to me that is a follower of Jesus Christ. When someone comes to you for help, do not give them your opinion. Because your opinion doesn't matter. Open the Bible and give them God's opinion. Only God's word will speak to the issue in their life. Only God's word. Even if they come to you and say, hey, can I have your opinion? Say no. That's hard. It's a prick of your pride, isn't it? Because you know what? Well, I've got an opinion on that. Okay, we don't need your opinion. We need what God word, God's word says. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Give people what they really need. Not our opinions, but God's Word. We've been in the book of Hebrews today on Abounding Grace. 
Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through the epistle. Would you like to hear today's message again? You can listen online 24-7 at AboundingGraceRadio.com or hear us through Apple Podcasts. Another way to go is to download our church app and Grace FM Colorado app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. You'll find Abounding Grace right there as well as many other helpful resources. Where in the world did that come from? Maybe that's crossed your mind when you've had a nasty thought. And sometimes our thoughts are out of control along with our lives. But I'm happy to say there is a way to win the war in your mind. Craig Groeschel lays out the strategy in his book, Winning the War in Your Mind. Drawing from scripture and the latest findings of brain science, Craig presents practical strategies that will help free you from the grip of harmful and destructive thinking and go on to live the life God intends for you to live. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more by calling 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. We can't thank you enough for your support. God is doing a wonderful work through the radio and Internet these days, and you can be a part of it. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And please set aside another half hour to join us tomorrow for Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor digs deeper into the book of Hebrews to mine its treasures. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.